Thank you everyone for joining. I'll now pass it over to Matthew Brown of Honor York Office. Thank you, Alison. Uh, good morning or good afternoon, depending on uh, where you are uh, currently domiciled. Thank you very much for joining us today uh, to discuss the latest FATCA CRS updates, including the new Cayman Islands CRS compliance form. Uh, for those of you who have not worked with DMS previously, um, we've been uh, in operation since the year 2000, celebrating our 20th year of operations in 2020. Um, we have uh, eight different jurisdictions which we cover within the DMS group, and we work with 60% of the world's top investment managers globally, uh, providing fund governance, uh, compliance, and risk services uh, to investment structures uh, globally, including the Cayman Islands uh, and Europe. Um, I think best to hand over uh, to my colleague, Roman. Roman uh, Ipfling heads up our Cayman, uh, our tax compliance team globally. Um, and Roman, uh, we've got an agenda to follow through today, so I'll hand over to you shortly. And I think um, just to note, if you should have any questions, uh, please do pop them through to us on the, the, the chat option within the, the, the WebEx, and we'll take some time at the end to address those questions. And if not, we'll be sure to, to follow up with any answers. So uh, without any more hesitation, Roman, I'll hand over to you. Thank you, Matt. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, thank you for your time and your patience, and I hope you are all well and your families as well. Um, so today's objective is to provide an update on the latest developments with respect to FATCA and CRS, and also the new Cayman Islands CRS compliance form. Um, so at we will take first a look at the background to provide some color. Um, the new CRS compliance form was released by the Cayman authorities, the Department of International Tax Cooperation, um, April uh, 15th of, of this year. And this reform requires every Cayman Islands reporting financial institution to provide additional information um, via the DITC portal. Um, there are five sections that need um, to be completed in order for the form to be submitted. So we will have a closer look in the later slides um, um, of these uh, different categories. The, as you, many of you know, the portal is currently down. Um, there's significant maintenance and additional features are being installed. So the economic substance, uh, country by country reporting, as well as FATCA and CRS should all be um, served and run out of this new portal. So June 2020, uh, so next month, hopefully, the portal will be opened up. And then you can file all the notifications, your deregistrations, um, then also the returns, and later on also this new CRS compliance form. Um, this new uh, CRS compliance form is an annual filing. Um, it starts for the 2019 reporting uh, for the first time. And due to the fact that it was just issued, um, the deadline for filing this form is December 31st. For subsequent years, um, it will be the 15th of September. And automatic penalties will apply in case that the form is not submitted by the applicable deadline. Um, to provide a little bit color why the Cayman Islands um, introduced such a form um, that is not, uh, you know, not present in other jurisdictions. Um, the Cayman Islands has a unique position because it has no tax system and therefore it has limited information um, of the market participants like financial institutions, the service providers, um, investors, um, when compared to other jurisdictions that have a long-standing established tax system. 
the data collection, the analysis of this data and the assessment um, are an integral part of the assessment by the global forum um, that will conduct AOI peer reviews and they are currently in process. So for those who don't know what a peer review is, all the participating jurisdictions of, um, that participate in a common reporting standard and adopted it, they will review each other, how um, a certain jurisdiction collects the data, how the um, data is processed, and then subsequently how the data is distributed to all the participating jurisdictions. All these reviews will result in a ranking, how each participating jurisdiction implements the common reporting standard and if it's effective or not and if things need to be um, adjusted uh, in order to ensure it's correctly implemented. These results uh, will be published in 2021 and so the Cayman Islands authorities um, with this new form want to ensure that these um, factors are addressed that will be part of the um, um, review so that the Cayman Islands can demonstrate that they have an effective implementation of CRS and as you all know um, the Cayman Islands is currently blacklisted and therefore um, we want to ensure that everything is done um, in order to get off the blacklist because we have implemented or we are you know the private funds law economic substance a CRS so there should nothing that hindered us to to get off this list so on the next slide um, for internal purposes, this, this compliance form uh, is intended to be used by the authorities also as a risk management tool um, to assign risk profiles to financial institutions to get a better idea of um, the financial institutions and clients out there um, with the additional information that, that's obtained. And it will also serve as a tool for targeted audit selection. Um, the Tax Information Authority, because the Cayman Islands doesn't have an established tax system, is small and therefore they need a tool um, to effectively carry out the, these audits and also to demonstrate that they have mechanisms in place um, to ensure that CRS is, is effectively implemented. Um, we're now taking a look at the form itself. Um, so, as I said, there are five sections. Um, the first section is uh, pretty much um, additional information about the financial institution. Um, if it's registered or licensed uh, with SEMA, um, also with the private funds law, a lot of new entities uh, will, will register there and can enter um, their registration number also on this form. Um, all the entities that are licensed or registered with SEMA they have then the benefit that they don't have to um, fill out the section three, which is on the next slide. And section three um, deals with AML, KYC and accounting uh, questions. So you have to um, then you know, answer the question if you have audited financial statements, um, if you carry out or which entity carry out all your AML KYC obligation and so forth. And you can see already there that all the different regimes that were implemented over time, AML, KYC, CRS, FATCA, um, private funds law and so on, um, they are all somehow connected and all this data will be uh, collected by the authorities to have a better view and more data points. Um, about funds and entities in the Cayman Islands. Um, the next section would be section two. That's um, the big section um, where a lot of information is required. So it starts off um, that you have to provide the NAV of the entire fund. 
and keep in mind that this compliance form is or is subs, um, a substitute then also you have already the reportable accounts you have your compliance uh, your filing declaration and now you have this compliance form um, you then also have to provide information about the non-reportable investors those entities individuals that are not reportable and there are some categories where you need knowledge about um, the different non-reporting entities or individuals um, that are excluded from CRS reporting. So the two big, big buckets are um, there's a not reportable person but in a reportable jurisdiction. So that would be your um, FI that's resident in a reportable jurisdiction or um, then you have also the account holder that is um, not reportable because it's in, in a not reportable jurisdiction. That could be your US person and so forth. So it's really becoming um, another classification exercise now of your non-reportable investors. And um, in addition to, to this information, you also have to um, provide the uh, total number in each bucket of the non-reportable as well as the amount uh, of the or the NAV as of year end. So that means someone with you know knowledge has to review these classifications. The administrators uh, will provide, of course, um, the information. But we talk to to many administrators, and they are now also have to adjust their systems um, to see um, which investors to field into these buckets. But then, um, and we see that in, in, an, in a later slide, uh, someone has to review and sign this off. Um, on the next slide, um, it's, it's the continuation of section two. So you see here, for example, that's the second bucket in uh, 2.51. So you have to um, let them know how many US persons um, are not reportable, what's their account balance and so forth. So you, you can see it's additional work to provide all this information on the non-reportable investors. Then if we go to, to section four, um, this relates around the CRS process. So in the first question it asks about uh, account holder information um, who reviews it and prepares a list, a draft list of the reportable accounts. Um, that generally uh, will be um, an administrator that provides a preliminary classification of the investors and then sends it for review by the board of directors or the AOI delegate. And you see here that's a question. Um, so the authorities um, assume that there's someone that reviews it, tests it and then signs it off. Um, so that's, that's an important point to keep in mind and it's not only the reportable because now you have to also ensure that the non-reportable investors are classified correctly and are allocated in, in the correct bucket. Then um, the points 4.4 to 4.6 are also interesting with um, in respect that for the first time um, you now have to acknowledge that you established and maintained written policies and procedures. Um, what does that mean? I mean we uh, DMS always took the standpoint and from talking to the authorities this should be fund policies and procedures, how the fund addresses FATCA or CRS in this um, case and it cannot be just the administrator's policies and procedures because those administrators policies and procedures they address how the administrator will conduct the due diligence and what they are engaged for but the fund 
has um, additional um, responsibility, for example, as we just discussed, who is reviewing, testing and signing off this information that was provided by the administrator, that it's correct and takes on the responsibility, um, who is listed on the portal and will ensure timely submission, that's, um, that should be also listed. So the entire life cycle of um, CRS of a fund should be covered in this process document. Um, then. 4.5 ask to confirm if the FI has implemented and complied with such written policies and procedures. Um, what we would always recommend and in the engagements where we provide services to funds, um, the board usually adopts those policies and procedures and so you have a documentation that um, the fiduciaries of the fund have seen the document, uh, they know about the obligation, they have appointed in this case a service provider DMS that um, will ensure compliance with it and then also reports to the board that uh, reports have been filed for example. And 4.6 is interesting because um, this question um, refers to the regulation and asks if you have uh, filed a report that was based on um, incorrect information and you knew about it. So that adds additional layer then also of responsibility. So um, in order to be able to, to, um, to answer that question, the person that reviewed um, the classification should must have tested um, the, uh, the, the um, investor classification by the administrator. So that it can be assured that all the documentation that were required um, were obtained and there is no discrepancy between um, one or two documents. So this is, um, yeah, these are now explicit um, requirements that need to be um, submitted with this form on an annual basis. And then if we go to the, the next slide, there's then a declaration that, that needs to be submitted. Um, so you need to confirm that all the information uh, that were you know, presented above and ticked above um, are accurate and you have to acknowledge that they are sanctioned if you provide inaccurate information um, or file the report based on, on incorrect information that you knew about. Um, from talking to administrators, um, they usually um, would not file this because they're not listed as the PPOC, the principal point of contact on the Cayman portal. But um, if they would be listed, then they would file it only um, after they have received pro proper instruction. So therefore, the responsibility and the liability lies with the board of directors or if there's a delegate, a AOI delegate um, that ensures compliance with FATCA and CRS of the fund, then it will lie with that that party. So that's to keep in mind that there is an additional layer of responsibility um, that was added on uh, with this form. Um, here we just had a, a couple of, of uh, reporting deadlines. Um, we, we put also some of the European one um, on there. Um, the FATCA, our group, um, provide services in 24 jurisdictions. Um, but here um, you see the European um, deadlines state the same um, despite the, uh, the, the current world situation. But the Cayman Islands um, has extended their deadlines. So they moved it from May 
the 31st to July initially, and July will be for the subsequent years the filing deadline for FATGUN CRS. Um, I think it's it was um, a well done move because um, Cayman Islands um, is the, the hub of all the funds, fund of funds, so um, naturally they need more time to compile all the data and the financials, so July 31st serves the, the industry much better. But due to the current situation and that the portal is, um, is down, um, now there's an extension to 16th of November, since also the United States granted an extension to all um, model country jurisdictions that they exchange information with. And as we discussed at the beginning, um, December 31st is the deadline for the compliance form, and September 15th is um, then later on the um, deadline to submit this compliance form. The British Virgin Islands have also extended their deadlines. Um, initially it was May 31st, uh, but for the same reasons, um, the current situation, um, FATCA was extended to, to August 31st and um, CRS to July 31st. Um, some significant updates on the next slide, and that is also to, to show that um, you know, Cayman Islands is not only the, the only jurisdiction that is pushing um, and implementing um, new measures. Um, so the BVI um, now has started to request copies of CRS policies and procedures, um, and they have to be provided within uh, 10 working days. Um, the failure to do so would be an offense and um, penalties could apply. So um, other jurisdictions taking it also seriously and it's also a demonstration to uh, all the participating jurisdictions that join forces to implement the, uh, the common reporting standard. There's also the Cayman Islands BVI that have not had you know, dealings with, with tax information exchange before, um, takes it, take it seriously and also hold um, all the market participants accountable. And some significant uh, updates also in Luxembourg. Um, there's now, there will be now a requirement that you have to keep records um, of your actions and supporting evidence for 10 years. Um, so that's then also interesting in the, in the context if you have a PE fund, uh, infrastructure fund, or similar structures that um, have entities in different jurisdictions. So you have to think about the different requirements in the jurisdictions. Um, and we will see that in the last slide, um, filing deadlines, um, the years of, uh, of, of keeping um, you know, documents and, and things like this. If you can please go back to the slide before. Um, <clears throat> so also in Luxembourg, what's to note, um, nil reports are now required for CRS um, and it varies by jurisdiction to jurisdictions. Um, we, in our engagements, we always recommend to file uh, FATCA and CRS returns. FATCA returns are not mandatory, but uh, even if you have nothing to report, you demonstrate you have done something, you have done an analysis, and it's uh, better than not having done so. Um, and here, in the case of Luxembourg, you see that there can be a fine of up to 10,000 euro for, for missing. Um, such such a requirement. Um, on the last slide, we just wanted to provide some some points. If you have um, fund structures that are across multiple jurisdictions, um, 
So you have to think about classifications and reporting responsibilities of entities. Like I said before, um, some jurisdictions, it's mandatory to file CRS, but not US FATCA and vice versa. And some um, ask uh, to file both. Uh, if you file always also nil reports, then you have no issues, but otherwise you have to think about um, how, how you do this. Then document retention periods. Um, Cayman six years, Luxembourg 10 years. So if you have um, different jurisdiction, you have to keep that in mind and then take an approach and document it in your policies and procedures that maybe you take uh, the most stringent uh, you know, period uh, to have it across the board and be uniform. Policies and procedures, um, we have seen now Cayman also asking for acknowledgement that policies and procedures not only have been established, but also have been implemented and uh, complied with. So that's um, an additional layer that now explicit, you have, have to acknowledge this. Um, filing deadlines. As we have seen in a the table, they vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. Um, so you have to keep track of those and also when they're moving. So they can move quite frequently. And uh, so you have to keep track of those. Um, reportable jurisdiction. If you have a different jurisdiction, um, um, specify countries as reportable or not. So you have to always uh, ensure that your classification is according to the, the local definition of what a reportable jurisdiction is. So uh, that can be sometimes tricky and requires um, also updates on a regular basis because um, additional countries come on um, and so you have to, to, to maintain and keep track of uh, which are reportable or not. Um, IT systems, um, if you do it in-house you have to see if you can um, you know store all the documentation um, might be better if if you talk to to a service provider um, so it has to you know you have to think about that also and then the last point would be additional information requested by the authorities so in Cayman you now have to provide more more information you have to provide also some high-level classification of your non-reportable investors which um, has not been done before and then also someone has to review that classification and approve it. So these are all things that you should keep in mind um, you know, when dealing with FATCAN CS reporting and classification of investors. That's great. Thank you, Roman. Um, a very, uh, a very uh, intricate overview of the, the new CRS compliance form and uh, FATCA CRS updates. Uh, Alison, I, I think we have uh, time for any questions, if you've received any from the group. Uh, none have popped in yet, Matthew. But if anyone does think of any questions for after the event, then, um, then please do email them to us and we'll be glad to address them personally. Okay. Um, would look that Roman, I'd, I'd like to thank you for your time in, in running through those uh, CRS and, and FATCA updates. Um, we hope that the time today has been useful to you. Um, I would note that DMS uh, obviously has a tax compliance team. We currently service uh, over 1,900 funds uh, in the capacity of FATCA and CRS officers uh, and associated compliance solutions uh, in 24 jurisdictions. And I think I just saw a question come through there. 
Um, Roman, do you want to address that question? Oh, so the question is, um, if you don't have any investors and we're still required to complete FATCA CS reporting and also file compliance form, it's our, in our understanding new SEMA registration requirement applies only after the fund has been raised. Um, I mean, in the FATCA and CRS world, you become an investment entity if you provide you know, investment strategy, portfolio management, trading on behalf of customers, so or in, investors in this case. So if you have not have any investors yet, then you're not considered an investment entity and therefore would not have to, to register for, for FATCA and CRS. The other thing is also if you're now fundraising and, um, you know, the fund starts during 2020, um, you first, you will have to register the fund um, by April next year and then, um, you know, the filings would be due in July and September for the 2020 year. Uh, and it also depends then, um, you know, you if you don't need a gin number because you don't have investors then um it's, it's 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 not an issue but then later if you want to you know get the money in uh the capital calls or you want to open a trading account or things like this you need a gin number but then when you get the gin number then you indicate that you are a financial institution but as i said if it happens during 2020 then um, your first filings will be due in 2021. I think, uh, Roman, we've got one more question. Uh, is the new CRS compliance form updated via the portal manually or by XML schema or other? Um, so they currently envision that um, you can um, upload or you can complete the CRS compliance form online. So on the portal, so you can create the return and then type in all the information or via bulk upload. So I would expect that uh, it's a CSV file or some similar format that can be completed and then just uploaded um, to the portal. That's a new function that they are working on that uh, should enhance the user experience, how they call it, that you can upload, bulk upload information to the portal. Thank you, Roman. I think those are all the questions for now. As I mentioned, uh, we, we, we provide these FATCA CRS officer services uh, to a large number of funds in 24 jurisdictions. Should you uh, uh, consider the, the extra time constraints and uh, value add uh, time spent in acting in these offices and looking for a third party solution, then DMS would be pleased to assist. Um, I think that's all the time that we have in the diary for today. Um, thank, thanking everyone for taking the time out of their busy day to attend yet another webinar. Um, we, hope you found, we hope that you found it of use. And should you have any further questions, feel free to reach out to any of the DMS uh, colleagues around the world, or Roman or myself, and we'd be more than happy to answer any questions and be of any assistance. Uh, stay safe, everyone. Um, I know these are difficult times, so uh, wishing you all well and uh, look forward to working with you uh, currently or in the future. Thank you. Thank you.